And welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We pick up a conversation from the previous episode of American Ag Today with Chad Hart, economist at Iowa State University. Chad, let's talk this soybean market and the soy complex. I, I get a feeling as I talk to some traders and even some farmers that they're they're a little bulled up in soybeans here with all the potential demand with renewable diesel, with crush plants. You know, you think about the expansion uh, of crush plants here in the U.S., but it still feels like it's a few years off. Yet it seems like these markets just got a little bit of a bullish tone where we're getting you know higher highs and lower lows here towards the end of 2022. We're kind of shrinking that narrow window, testing that resistance around $15 beans. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I get this sentiment from some folks that they're they're still bullish this soy complex going into next year, even though some of that demand on the horizon is, is not going to be here just quite yet. Yeah, I think that's going to be the challenge here is everybody's, we see a wave of coming. It's again, a question of how big it will be and, and, you know, how do you need to prepare for that? I think the, the reason for, let's call it that near-term bullishness right now is if we look back over the, just this month, you know, within, within December, we saw, you know, the early half of the month was basically driven by meal demand. We saw a nice surge there, and we're holding on to prices as we end the year. And now here at the very tail end of the month, we're seeing oil sort of pick up where be- where meal left off. And so there is enough demand out there to, yeah, inspire a little near-term bullishness here. But we also have to wonder, you know, will we get soybean production ratcheting up before some of that renewable diesel production gets online. And so, you know, there's, there's going to be a bumpy ride here as we try to, again, keep that balance between supply and demand here because, you know, the timing of these plants, um, you know, when, you know, how many will be built, when will they come online and will they be running at full capacity if they are built are, are major issues that will determine how big a splash that renewable diesel push has truly on soybean demand. Well, and a lot of folks are comparing this to the original ethanol expansion in the mid to early 2000s. Will it be the same? Will it be slightly different? Uh, You know, lower to your point. I I think that remains to be seen if it'll be as big of an explosion, you know, as ethanol was here for, you know, for the corn market. Will it be the same for the soybean market? I, I, I agree with you. I think that just remains to be seen on some of those factors, Chad. Well, I think it does too, but I will say, you know, that I I would sort of agree that it, it's similar in the feel to what we saw with ethanol. I'd say the difference here, though, is with ethanol, it sort of caught a lot of the market off guard, whereas this move, no, the market is fully anticipating something here. And in a certain sense, I could argue that a lot of the price movement that's expected from this move, it's already somewhat baked into the market now. Well, Chad, as well, watching South America, circling back to that, their crop right now, weather issues in Argentina, yet very good weather in Brazil as we stand here at the end of the year. And so a lot of talk about a record crop still in Brazil that could probably offset some of that Argentine production if they continue to have problems. And that's obviously something weighing on the markets here as it does every year this time of year. What's your thoughts on that South American picture as it stands here at the end of 2022 right now? Well, that's the deal. I'd agree with your general assessment there on when we're looking at the weather patterns yet, yeah, it's definitely showing that, yeah, if we're looking for weakness, 
uh, that South American crop. It's Argentina where we're going to find that. But as we look at Brazil, that has been the juggernaut, if you will, of production over the past couple of years, especially as we're looking at corn and soybeans. The idea is that we continue to see more second crop corn coming out of Brazil, along with them continuing to ratch up soybean production as we're looking there. And so we're going to see a lot more competition out of Brazil, I think, over the coming year, year and a half, as we're looking at both our our big crop markets here. And that's leading to some of the, let's call it the export challenges we're facing right now. You know, part of the problem we're having here is not just the general economic conditions worldwide, but when you think about U.S. prices relative to other places around the globe, normally, you know, in this time of year, we tend to be one of the lower price places that you can shop, if you will, worldwide. We're not this year because of the, the sort of production problems that we had up here with the drought, our own drought here. And that has led to more losses of those export sales at a time of year when we're used to really dominating that export picture. Chad, let's talk livestock. You mentioned some cattle thoughts earlier. And, you know, everyone I feel like has had their bullhorns on this cattle market for months now. We just haven't quite seen that move yet, this big move anyway, that we've expected. I mean, uh, talk to me about what you're seeing in this cattle market here again as we wrap up the year. Let's dive in a little more. I mean, should we all still have our bullhorns on as this herd continues to contract? I mean, what's your thoughts there? Well, I'll put it this way. We all know we're going to need our bullhorns on at some time. It's, again, it's sort of like the biofuel discussion with soybeans. It's a matter of when. And I think in this case, with the cattle market, we're sort of waiting for the time when we can begin to put those animals back out there on the Western pastures. And we know now is not the time. And we wonder as we look into 2023, when will the weather pattern change enough that we can start to rebuild those herds out West? We know the demand is there. Domestic demand remains very strong when we're looking at our meat sector, especially on the beef side. Internationally, beef sales continue to remain fairly robust there as well. So we know that that demand is out there, but it's more a matter of can we start to truly bring those numbers back up again? And right now, the short-term answer is no. And so there's that's why we're not seeing, let's call it the strong run-up in prices yet. There's another yeah. piece to that as well, I should mention. When we think back to this year, one of the reasons that we're looking at a smaller 2023 cattle herd is because we have, if you will, forward marketed a fair number of animals. So animals that would have been out there in 2023, no, they're already in the in the meat case here in 2022. So we've expanded production here really quickly. That's holding down prices in the short term, but will mean higher prices as we look out there in the longer term. Well, Chad, great thoughts. Before we run out of time, I'll uh, I'll leave it open for you. The floor is yours. I, I know we didn't touch on, on the macros or anything like that, but again, floor is yours. Any final thoughts you'd want to share with us here today before we wrap it up? Well, like I say, when I'm looking at 2023, what I'm seeing is we're going to start the year in a, in a fairly good spot across the ag complex where we've got strong prices sort of across the board. You know, the idea is domestic demand, like I say, remains very strong. And it's the challenge of helping find that international purchasing power as we look out there. Going forward into 2023, it is probably a time of tightening margins, but still positive margins as we look out there. This sort of cycle is is different than what we went through 10 years ago in that I think that there's more support to maintain the higher prices for a longer period of time than we saw with the last cycle across agriculture. With that, Chad Hart, economist at Iowa State University, thanks for joining us here today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jesse.
This has been American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.